This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. Hello, everybody. I am Kyle. This is Jesse. Oh, hi. Thought you'd never ask. Oh. There's only two of us. We're, we're still missing Jimmy. Where is Jimmy? Jimmy, where are you? Could be in Asia. I hope Probably you're listening. I hope you're listening. No, Sorry. no, no. The Chinese would never allow a show about impossibilities. That'd be impossible. Oh, I don't know what you expected. So this is uh, episode four of Murder 3. Oh my gosh. Okay, season three. You're incorrigible. I am incorrigible. <laughs> season three. Season three here. Um, so how are things going, Jesse? Going great. Yes. Yeah, I had a had my car break down this week. Oh. That, was a, that was a bummer. Prone to happening. <sighs> yeah, especially when you drive an ugly old bug like I do. It's a beautiful car. No. It is, if it ran. It does. It ran. It, it, it's ran, it runs now. Yeah, well, obviously, you got here. The great part about it is it's cheap to fix. Yeah, probably simple, too. Maybe I, not easy, but simple. Yeah, the mechanic did it in a couple of days. Well, that's good. Yeah. I worked on it for a couple of days, and he worked on it for a couple of days. <laughs> He fixed what I broke, then he fixed the original problem. <laughs> I feel like that's what happens to my cars, too. <laughs> but it was less than $300, so. Ah, that's, that's important. Great, yeah. That's good. Not not to completely money-pitting. Yep. Uh, well, you got any updates? Uh, updates? Yeah. Should we talk about... I wanted to talk about the arc storm. Can we the talk about arc the arc storm, storm here? Well, they, explain yourself. Right. Why is it relevant? We live in California. I would say it's also relevant to the podcast because we, we discussed the weather at one point. I mean, we discussed controlling it to avoid such incidences as an arc storm, but uh, being that we can't control the weather, huge impossibility there. Yeah. Uh, what are the implications of said arc storm? So the, uh, the arc storm is, it stands for Atmospheric River 1000, A-R-K. Interesting. Uh, this would be a weather pattern that could occur. Well, the atmospheric river occurs pretty regularly. Okay. But this would be like a ginormous one. Ooh. One of the articles that I found on Wonderground. Okay. They called it California's other big one. And if this happens, it would be a disaster in the realm of like $720 billion worth of damage oh, goodness. to the state. And how often do these happen? Uh, 1860 was, was the last, last one. one. Oh, yeah. goodness. So like ish 150 years, thereabouts? Yeah, it's supposed to be every thousand years. What the? But with, uh, with so, the climate changing, they say that by 2030 or something, the, the chance of it happening again will be double. Ugh. Sounds horrible. Okay, here we go. This We think this happens every once every 100 to 200 years or so, which puts it in the same category as our big San Andreas earthquakes. My surface understanding of it is there's an atmospheric river. It's kind of a, a large jet stream, I guess. And these okay. storms come over from Hawaii and they just oh, gather goodness. steam and they come like Hawaii south of California. So they kind of make this arc, not, you know, ARC. Yeah, not uh, as a as a shape. Not, geometric yeah. arc. <laughs> kind of just come right up. And they hit more in central states, so not down south where we live. Okay. But if it's big enough, it It'll could just cover the whole coast. Yeah. For That's sure. crazy. Yeah. How far up does it go? Does it go up to Oregon and Washington? Uh, Sacramento. Okay, so it's, it's the Bay Area and just Central us. California. Yeah, Oregon's going to be. I'm sure. I'm sure some people would say we deserve it for all that nice weather we get. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, you know, those are all people. You got to average it. it out somehow. 
I suppose, yeah. Those earthquakes and these arc storms, man, really make living here worth it. Hmm. Uh, anyway. Well, maybe it won't happen. Maybe. Totally happen. Yeah. Look it up, though. Pretty interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll post the, the California's other big one article to, yeah. the, to this episode's Yeah, that was a good read. Transcript. I guess it's not really a transcript. It's more of a notes. We'll, we'll post this one to the notes. Very well. So today's episode, though, we're going to talk about Love at First Sight. It's kind of like arc storms. It's it, just, it all of can a sudden, feel the same bam. way. Rush of emotion, a river of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Thank you. I try. I, I do try. So, uh, I mean, it's it, it's a, it's something that everybody kind of throws out there. Is this thing that happens? Like, oh, it either it either happens or doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Oh, people, it's just love at first sight, or yeah. love at first sight is impossible. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder as it were, mm. but what, what do you think? What, what, what are we defining as love at first sight? Well, I think that would be part of our discussion. Uh, the definition of love is a vast one. Or uh, it can be you know, varied and widely interpreted. I don't know what you mean. I love pizza and yes. my wife. Great example. And my son. And those three are all exactly the same. Apparently. Yeah. And so the English, there's a failing of English. Yes. Would you agree? Completely. <laughs> if only we had more words. Yeah. You know any French? I do know some French. Do you know some other words for love in French? Uh, I can only think of two. Okay. But, it, but their context, they, they've been so westernized now that their context is kind of similar. Ah. I can well, love, I, I can love pizza and also love my wife with yes. the same word. I don't know. They just, they use it more for everything. Yeah. I took a little Spanish in high school. Not that I know any now. But which is strange. There's a lot more words for love in Spanish than in French, which I found interesting. Yeah, true. They have different connotations. Like in Spanish, you probably wouldn't say you love your wife and you love pizza with the same word. I would imagine not. No, but it would depend on what you mean. I think there's there's nuance. There's a lot of nuance in Spanish. It's a wonderful language. Oh yes. I wish I knew more of it. Me too. But oh well. English is great. For some things, it just has a failing in this particular area. Yeah. And I feel like in the past, maybe we had more words to describe love. Here's an example. Spanish has encantar, which Ooh. is love, enchant, delight, charm, captivate, bewitch. An example of where you would use that in, in Spanish would be, okay. I love your, love your house. Oh, thank you. It looks great. Thank you. You wouldn't necessarily use that word to describe your love for your child. Right. Yeah. But we would translate sense. it, I love your house. But mm -hmm. we could say, oh, I'm enchanted by your house. We have that. We have the word that they have, the direct yeah. translation. It just doesn't have the same connotation in English as it does in Spanish. Well, I mean, there there is kind of like there kind of is that in French as well. Like is when you say it's nice to meet you, say you say enchanté, which mm -hmm. is enchanted to mm -hmm. meet you. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, I don't think that there's any direct translation. But when you translate that to English, commonplace would say they'll, somebody would say nice to meet you. You know, yeah. So I guess there's a couple of those, but yeah, yeah I don't always say I'm enchanted. Right, that's, that's very poetic, even for <laughs> <of> the French. <laughs> yeah, we have an enchantment in English. It's more of a magical. Yeah, yeah we use it more in the connotation enchanted of like fairy forest. tales. Yeah, okay. I, 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 it's I can't a land of, of enchantment. Can't think of the last time I used that in the enchantment in in a non, you know, kind of storybook way. Right, exactly. That's kind of where we lie. But I know from. My my upbringing, a lot a lot of focus was given to Greek and Hebrew, even though I don't know any Greek or Hebrew. But mm. I know the Greek have quite a few words for love, right? 
It would seem so. Yeah. I mean, all the if you're going to go back to the, some of the roots of language, the Greeks had some things really figured out. Uh, they have depends on who you ask, and I, w- I don't know any Greek speakers, so I wasn't able to get a firsthand kind of opinion on this. Sure. But uh, Plato narrowed it down to three. That's and, and that, better I mean, than the one we have. It was a long time ago, so the Greeks may have developed some more words. Mm-hmm. But Greek is so great because it's so descriptive. It has a lot of it has a lot of words, and uh, so the, the three that Plato kind of narrowed down to was eros, filio, and agape. And uh, you may have heard of these. You may be familiar with these. Sure. So eros is kind of uh, it was named for the god eros. Oh, okay. It's kind of a passionate, sexual, yeah. you know, physical love. Sure. Uh, passion, romance, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, filio is kind of a family love, a brotherly love. You know, Philadelphia. Brotherly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But it has kind of a, a family connection. It's not, it's not solely confined to a family, but it's kind of like that. The, you know, yeah, familial, that yeah. type of thing. Not my friends. Right. Uh, the people in my cohort who I may not know. You might say you love your cat. Uh, And then agape is kind of the, it's kind of universal, Mm -hmm. the way you would have empathy for people around the world who you don't know. Okay. Well, that's that's a good example of like ancient Greek and ancient Greek literature. Yeah. Is there anything more modern? Yeah. C.S. Lewis kind of, you're familiar with C.S. Lewis? I am. I'm familiar with this book, in fact. We we referenced C.S. Lewis many times in this season. Fantastic author. Season of podcast. Oh, in the season now. That's the grouping. Okay. That's how I say it. Uh, it could be a murder. We don't know. <laughs> so anyway, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. The Four Loves, yeah. I'm assuming that there's four of them in this book. Yeah, which is interesting because Plato has three. C.S. Lewis. Lewis is one better. He is one better. Well, he's British. He is much more loving. Obviously. You'd have to read the whole book to kind of get all the context of everything and how everything fits together and... What are his arguments for the four different kinds? Certainly. But I think I think a lot of people have been influenced by this. Because mm-hmm. you do a Google search and you, you find a lot of, these are the four types of love, Greek love. Fair enough. And I, it makes a lot of sense. It's really intuitive. And so maybe his theory just gathered steam because it's very logical. He has the three that Plato had, Eros, Filio, and the fourth one, Agape, which he called, Lewis calls Charity. It's, he has it described as unconditional love no matter what you do, you know, no matter what someone does to you or otherwise, you know, just I think that's a, continue a loving. Very, very good, uh, a good description of agape. It sounds it yeah. sounds very, you know, the empathet- empath- empatheticness yeah. that you were talking about. You don't have to do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to unearn it. Ah. Uh, and then he adds storge, which is also... A Greek word, according to him. But it may mm. not be as old as the others. As the ancient, ancient. As the ancient. Hmm. But it, he has it as an empathy bond. Okay. I didn't do a ton of research. I didn't read any of the book. I didn't have it. I have a, a large... Well, I, do, I do have it. I have a large volume of C.S. Lewis. and But not that, huh? It was not in there. Interesting. I, I definitely have The Four Loves. Nice. It's, uh, it's uh, one of his... Well, I guess they're they're not, none of his books are terribly long. Mm-mm. But this one, I think, is about 175, 200 pages. That's about right. So, uh, for I mean, for people who don't really dwell on the philosophical end of the spectrum, but like, what what would I don't know? What would the OED definition be of of love? I guess. Did I have that in here? 
I don't know. Did you? I thought you did. Maybe not. Here, let's see. Get this right here. Ooh, an intense feeling of deep affection. That that is that is so intense short feeling of <laughs> deep affection. I suppose you'd have to define affection at that point, but I don't know that I'd fully. I don't agree with that definition. To that definition, a gentle feeling or fondness or liking—that is what affection means. So deep liking, a deep fondness or liking. Yeah. Man, English is failing today. <laughs> Boo English. <laughs> Boo English. <laughs> this time. I like it for a lot of reasons, but it is a very casual language to yeah. say the least. I wonder if we could have a find a way to incorporate a podcast about English into impossible things. There's I mean, a, that's we're proving our point right here by using so far Greek, Spanish, French, and C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Has his own language, apparently. <laughs> he, he was English, so he probably is closer to the original English than we are. Yeah, seriously. Mm. Smart man, too. We've yeah. said that a, not, a number of times. But there's a thing about language in general. Yeah. Not, not English or any of the other specific languages we were talking about. Okay. This isn't in the notes, sorry. That, a little, no, little that's, tangent. That's fine. I want to hear it. Sapir-Whorf hypothesis says, I'm going off memory here. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't have a word for something, if you don't uh-huh. have language to describe an idea, yeah, you will never fully grasp the idea. Interesting. I suppose that's true. I mean, this is, but to that point, this is part of what I do love about English is that I can make up a word, and traditionally, in context of what I'm talking about, almost anybody who's who's a native English speaker will mm. understand what I'm referring to. Yeah, there's there's a huge potential with portmanteaus and absolutely, you know, soundalikes, onomatopoeia, onomatopoeia. Mo- most people yeah. do understand just by descript by using words that might describe or verbs that might describe an action, such as you're walking along and wham, <laughs> love first sight. <laughs> <laughs> that was a brilliant way to bring it back. <laughs> So what what does science say about love at first sight? Oh, science. You mean the chemicals and things? Well, I, are there chemicals and things involved in this? <laughs> this isn't just something that happens to us? It's not only a feeling? There's I, hard science? It's more than a feeling. <laughs> Got any other song references? You I don't know. Get out the, of your there's, a, there's definitely <laughs> a drinking game in this episode of the podcast if anybody wants to play. <laughs> what kind of, what kind of uh, scientific chemicals are in play uh, for love? All right, so there are... At first sight or otherwise. Uh, oxytocin. Oxytocin? That's a... That is the cuddle hormone. There's a cuddle hormone. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. <laughs> what, I you thought, really you can't wait for my wife or... to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I will get judged severely. There's a lot of hormones and chemicals that get released in your brain. Okay. When love happens. Oh? There's, I downloaded a couple diagrams, and there's some of them have shortcomings. Well, what are the what what are the different things that are ah, released? Don't print. Wow. So okay, so the first chemical that would get released in the hypothetical situation of love at first sight, sure, is called phenylethylamine. Oh goodness. Okay. Did you know you were excreting that? I. That sounds so. That sounds so. Uh, <laughs> so romantic, doesn't it? Goodness. <laughs> Wait, what? So what? What stage would that be? Is this like? That's like the first early. Okay, that's like the first time I saw you, Kyle. Fennel. <laughs> <laughs> I excreted some fen- 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 <laughs> phenylethylamine. Okay, 
And then? So that, that creates euphoria, euphoric energy. Oh. And if you pursue the trajectory which that has created. Okay. Uh, you come up with something a little more familiar. Like? Dopamine. Oh, dopamine. Yeah. Ah, I've re- I recognize that. Yeah, that's general excitement. There's another one too, neopinephrine, which isn't as, not as familiar to me. Are any of these like, do they make synthetic versions of any of these? And has anybody tried to use them as a quote unquote love <laughs> potion? Love potion. <laughs> is it the My ninth? research didn't go down that. Is, that. is there a ninth love potion that somebody's tried? Oh my gosh. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> What what else gets? I mean, I'm sure there's a list of things. Like what what is it? What is it? What's the short list in order of okay. uh, so secretions? <laughs> Phenylethylamine first. Okay. okay, that's visual. So early stage visual, sensory, empathetic stimuli. Okay, visual. The visual is what we're going for. Yeah, right. The, you know, correct. So we we think there's actually one chemical that gets released upon the the proverbial love at first sight. It seems to be. And it is that my non-expert opinion. Yes, is uh, phenylethylamine. F- f- I'm going to get really good at saying this. I really hope to do by the <laughs> end of this episode. <laughs> and then, and then dopamine. Okay. Yeah. And then oxytocin. And oxytocin. That, oxytocin is kind of the one, the one that's real love. Interesting. I think that we would we would usually describe as actual love. That's and curious. not not infatuation or like physical attraction, uh-huh. but actual connection, you know, a feeling of connection, a bond. Yeah. Deeper than, uh, deeper than brotherly, deeper than, uh, yeah, looks, mm-hmm. initial emotion. Yeah. Once the dopamine's worn off. <laughs> yes. And over time, this diagram has a, an arrow with, uh, you know, dots, dot arrows. Sure. And it says over time endorphins and endorphins, we know. Yes. Pleasure. You know, uh, happiness, essentially, yeah. general general happiness, contentment. Yeah. So yeah, and that's it. And there's t- testosterone and estrogen also. Yeah, but yeah that's obviously, an flow of you know all the others. Right. Those are byproducts of the the line that we just listed. Yeah. <laughs> the the line of uh, hormones. Right. That you just did. <laughs> oh dear. So your notes say something about micro moments. What is a micro moment? Barbara Fredrickson. Yes. She did some tests. I don't know like how how much stock you want to put in this. Sure. But she gave people put people in brain scanners. Okay, so they're in people are in a brain scanner. Okay. They listen to a story and she measures their response. And I think the story's probably had something in love, romantic, falling in love type of thing. Or maybe not for some control experimentation, I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. But so she whatever she did is massage the data or whatever, Yeah, you know, crunch the numbers. And she came up with her, this theory that, um, uh, you're constantly falling in love. Interesting. Many times throughout the day, you just have little moments falling in love mm-hmm. and then you just go on. Okay. So I guess what you could take from that theory is you're always falling in love a million, you know, hundred times a day, a million times a day. I don't know. Yeah, a million would be is. tough. That's a lot of it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot of, of micro, micro moments. moments. <laughs> so the one time that uh, you actually fell in love and it lasted and something right. came out of it, it was love at first sight. But it was a lot of other times too. It just 
nothing. You can't really determine if it was the what we're talking about, love at first sight, until some time has gathered, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Your 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 Rolling Stone has gathered some moss or something like that. Yeah. Okay, that that makes enough sense. But she's kind of like, anytime you have a connection with somebody, it's a micro moment of of love. Interesting. What do you think about what about this um, confirmation bias? Well. This I mean, theory kind of leads into a discussion of confirmation bias. Society society just drives us at this being truth. Whether whether it is or not, yeah. that's I think we all it's such a we all have a desire for this to be true because like yeah. we could go on ad nauseum with examples in literature oh, yeah. and music and movies. Uh, I mean, for hundreds and hundreds of years, even like the old like grim grim fairy tales, like that mm-hmm. all the Disney mm-hmm. movies are pretty much based off of. Yeah, uh, they they have examples. Shakespeare obviously wrote a, a lot of examples. Yep. on love at first sight, infatuation even at first sight. <laughs> for goodness sake, mm-hmm. um, he romanticized some very old relationships. Your your notes true. say true, uh, true. Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Yep. That was apparently love at first sight, yeah, yeah. According to the text, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Romeo and Juliet? Um, yeah, maybe. Okay, I don't know. Victor Hugo wrote a story that contains love at first sight. Les Misérables oh, has yeah. a very, very good example of love at first sight. All right. So, what's confirmation bias? How do you think? How do you think that plays in? Mm, I don't know. Wait, define it again. <laughs> confirmation bias is you look back at something. At an event and say, "See, this proves." Oh well, I it's it's interesting because I wouldn't say that like my wife and I's meeting was love at first sight. I think like it's one of the, it's pretty much exactly what Fredrickson's saying is mm. that I know now because of, I because I know now that what I felt then was love at first sight, but I wouldn't have there there were so many other social implications to that to us falling in love together at that point when we first met that that kind of it made us both second guess that. I don't think either of us would describe it as love at first sight, but we knew that there was something different about us meeting and becoming friends that mm. that we hadn't experienced ever before in life. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know if I'm going to be a good example for confirmation bias in those terms. I see. What, what about you're, you? You're thinking about it too rationally. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people do have this sure. confirmation bias. I mean. Because what I mean, think about all the the micro moments or the yeah, the little attractions that you have, you know, throughout your life. Yeah, like, and then nothing, just nothing happens about it, and you forget completely about it. Sure. And if you, but if that never happened with the one person that you end up with, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't end up with them probably. I mean, if you were never attracted to your wife if, at all, if we're, I mean, if we're going based off talking to her, if we're well, if we're going to, if we're going to go based off <laughs> of Fredericks's research, then yeah, love at mm-hmm. first sight exists. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. If you've continued doing anything in life for more than once, or more than a fleeting once, then of course love at first sight exists. Yeah, but you'd have to subscribe to that theory. But would you call those micro moments love? I guess that's the I thing mean, is, I that's where to... I think it. In order for me to agree with Fredrickson's research, I'd have to say that love is a very ba- the way we use love in the English language is not descriptive enough, um, right? Which kind of goes back to the the beginning oh, of what we were talking about. But I, either way, like I mean, th- there's something attractive about this concept to to at least Western society. I'm sure most societies even like love at first sight. I mean, obviously, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra are 
Egyptian? No. Mark Antony's Greek. Cleopatra's he'd Egyptian. Been, he'd been Roman. Either way, though, like, I mean, and that's, you know, forbidden love. People love that, too, especially forbidden love at first sight. Actually, both examples that we used in the notes, Romeo and Juliet and Mark Antony and Cleopatra, are both forbidden loves. Yeah. But I think we we want this to be true. I mean, people obviously write stories about it. They write songs about it, movies about it. Again, we have a, we could have a long list. But... Like, why? Why do we want this to be possible as a society or personally? Why do you want this to be possible? It's just so exciting, I think. I mean, here's a theory. I haven't fleshed this out yet. Just popped into my head at this Oh, this will be good. Maybe love is really hard work. You have to work it out. Okay. You have to go through some bad times, sure. some lows, where you, you have to rely on the commitment mm-hmm. that you've made or your gut feeling that this is the right person for you. Okay. Uh, where was I going with this? So yeah, maybe it's something you have to maybe work it's at. too hard. Maybe it's hard work, and it, we don't want we don't like hard work. And love at first sight. I think there's a connotation with love at first sight that it's going to last forever. Like, yeah, I agree. And that it's going to that's be, the appealing part of it. Yeah, maybe that's why we want it to be. They lived possible. happily ever after. That's I mean, mm-hmm. the end of every love at first sight story. You know the story that surrounds the micro moment. Mm-hmm that we're, you know, talking about in particular. Yeah, like Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. Except for they did not live happily. They died happily ever after. <laughs> I just ruined it. Spoiler alert. Mm. Romeo and Juliet, they both die. I was going to watch that one. Oh, well, you should have read the book. <laughs> it's ah. way better than the movie. <laughs> I, But, I mean, being that we all want this to be possible, do we, do we think it's possible? I suppose, like I said, in the context of Fredrickson, I, if I... I, I yeah. mean, if I subscribe to her, then yes, of course it's possible. And it really depends on your definition. Of what love is. Yeah. What is love? Drink. Everybody drink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I wanted to read a quote from uh, Don Quixote. Ooh. Will you indulge me? Yes. Let's hear it. Okay. So they're talking about the kids. Kids these days, right? So Sancho Pancha. Pancho Sanchez? San- Sanchez Pancha? What's the, the other guy? Nope. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> I think it's Pancho Sanchez. Anyway, yes, okay, sure. I'm indulging you. So he has a he has a daughter who's getting to marrying age, and mm-hmm. so they're discussing, you know, she wants this, but her mother wants this, and but it's very much an arranged marriage society in yes. Spain at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don Quixote says, you know, they're all discussing, three or four of them. Discussing. Naturally. That's how you do it in Spain. But Don Quixote, I think, when he speaks, he's kind of summing up the the general ethos of the time period. And what I want to point out about this excerpt is so it's so starkly reversed from what we would think of love and marriage now. So I'll read it. Yeah, let's hear it. And you can see what, you hear what I mean. Okay. So Don Quixote says, if all those who were in love should get married, said Don Quixote, parents would lose their option to choose to whom and when their children marry and if left to the will of the daughters to choose their husbands, one would choose to marry her father's servant, another would pick someone she saw walking down the street who seemed elegant and haughty, even though he might be a degenerate bully. Love and fondness easily blind the eyes of one's understanding, which is so necessary to choose a mate, and it's very easy to make a mistake in this area. One needs to exercise great prudence and get help from heaven to do it right. When one wants to make a long voyage, if he is prudent, before starting out, he'll choose a faithful and pleasant companion. So why shouldn't the person who has to travel his whole life until the destination of death is reached do the same thing 
especially when the companion is with him in bed, at the table, and everywhere else as a wife is with her husband. The company of one's wife is not like merchandise that after you buy something, you can return, because it's an unbreakable bond that lasts one's whole life. It's a noose that, once it's around your neck, is like the Gordian knot, which, unless it is cut by the scythe of death, is not untieable. I could say many other things on this subject, but I won't, since I want to find out if there's anything more that Signor Leciendo has to say about Basilio. Wow. It's pretty incendiary. Poignant. About huh? love at first sight. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Sounds well, like uh, Don Quixote doesn't believe in it. He... Well, he alludes to... He alludes to someone wanting to marry somebody who they saw walking down the road. Yeah, but he's calling it fleeting. But he's still... He's acknowledging that something exists there. That's true. But he's saying don't rely on that because Fair. You, you have no facts. Well, I so I I happened to when I so when I googled when you when you just google is love at first sight real? Yeah. That's I got some interesting um forums where people somebody had posed this question mm. and it's a pretty hefty split as to whether or not people believe in love at first sight. Yeah. But most people will uh will agree that there is something that happens, but I, I mean, like, I, I can post what the results are that I pulled up, mm-hmm. but like, here, here are the like highlights. No love at first sight is not possible. It's infatuation, not love. It is not love. Not only does it not exist, it's a horrible notion. No love is based on knowledge. No love at first sight is not real because true love is based on something more stable than how a person looks. Mm-hmm. Only one person. So this is one out of five think that love at first sight is possible. One out of five think it's possible? Yes, but they don't think it's possible for everybody. The one the one person that thinks it's possible here in this very, very small cross section of the internet. Yes, the internet. <laughs> banter on the internet no less. Uh just says although not all people experience love at first sight is clearly a real phenomenon. But they describe it as a phenomenon. So we we I'm, it really depends on how cynical you are as a person, because whenever I say something like I'm about to say, I always get the one person that says, that's not true. I think everybody does believe in true love uh, for, oh, the, for the most part. Good, Yeah. Um, and how get it, how to get there, though, if you've got a very romantic view of how life goes, maybe you would believe in love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very practical people I know uh, that would say that they grew to love each other and that they wouldn't call in, in hindsight, in retrospective uh, thought, they wouldn't call what the emotions they had when they first met, they wouldn't call that love. I, I mean, I think all of those things kind of contribute to why, why people want this to be true. It's because there is that rare case where you see the, like my, my roommate met his wife and then six months later got married. Yeah. And it was like totally made perfect sense to everybody. I didn't think that was weird at all. Hmm. It would have been weird had I done that, I think. Um, but that's uh, we're different people. My wife and I are different people. We we met and then got married two and a half years after we met, or almost three years after we met. Hmm. It's just I just think it's different for different people. So, yeah. but th- all those stories being equal, <laughs> love at first sight, I guess, could be real or not. It's all in the eye of the beholder, as I said before. Where are we in the outline? Do you think it's possible? It's my my answer is going to be qualified. It's fine by by the the definition of terms. Sure, that's fair. So, as we've we've roundly discussed and established firmly, English language falls short on the topic of love. Very. 
I don't know why. Maybe we just don't talk about it enough. Topic for another day. Yeah. So we've talked about some philosophical definitions of love. We've talked about the scientific definition and and how relationships go through stages. Yeah. If you if you follow most relationships from their beginning, I would say there was a moment that they changed from a an a, a, you know an incidental contact that sure. you, you have a micro moment, shall mm-hmm. we say, into something that was exclusive between two people and going to last a lifetime so or a, a substantial amount of time. So would you say it's that, I, I mean... Does it happen at first sight? I don't know. I don't, I don't think every time, but I think it can. Interesting. It's not, you don't have the fully formed fruit of love. Sure. But you might have the seed yeah, that makes that makes sense. The more you nurture it, and care for it, and Work invest into it, it <laughs> and wait time, yeah, the more it blossoms and grows and becomes something that we would call love. Interesting. And if that happened at first sight, then why wouldn't we say love at first sight is possible? I mean, you when you have attraction to somebody, you do have phenylethylamine. Phenylethylamine. <laughs> And if that's really the first step, like this diagram shows, uh-huh. then I don't see how you can deny that love at first sight is real. I think that's fair. But if you want to say, if you want to say that love is only an established bond between two people yeah. that is totally empathetic and has full knowledge of another person's uh, personality and their brain you know, brain waves that they work on and uh, their likes and dislikes, then no, that can happen at first sight. Obviously. I think everyone knows that. Yeah. But I think what we're talking about when we talk about love at first sight is, is an attraction that's more than just an attraction that you would have many times during your life. Yeah. So yes. It's possible. I'm going to say it's possible. With qualifiers. With qualifiers. <laughs> Mostly semantic, but. Understandable semantic yeah. qualifiers. Well, do we disagree? No, I. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's impossible. I, I, no, I'm, I'm kind of in your boat on this one. I think it's po- plausible, possible with hmm. qualifiers. I don't think that, I don't think that it would be healthy to say that it's always true because that, I mean, it kind of, it negates a lot of other things that tend to happen naturally in life and society. But I definitely think that it's. It's possible. And I mean, I want it to be possible. We mm. all want it to be possible. It's v- it's a very romantic idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't even tell you what I would think would cause that, except for fate. Oh, my gosh. But that's, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's possible sometimes. I think it happens all the time. Did you love your son the first time you saw him? No, actually, I didn't. Oh. That's a, that's a much, there's a much longer explanation to that. But I bet I, your wife did. Uh, she did. Yeah. She absolutely did. That's, That's because there's oxytocin released in a woman's body. During I, childbirth. The way I described it, without getting into the very long explanation of it, the way I described it to my wife is that she had 10 months to get to know our son before mm-hmm. I ever got a chance to touch or hold him. Yep. And I loved him the way that you would love a family member that like, I just, I, I know I loved him. Filial. I care for him. Yeah. 
that's a good good description. But I did not fall in love with my son until I got to know him, which didn't take very long. But it, mm. you know, it, I think it's it's the overarching differences between uh, a father and a mother. I think that that's kind of one of the biggest ones. You don't that, have a you don't have a hormonal response during I, labor. I don't she have does. a physical bond with my son until I've held him a bunch or cared mm-hmm. for him. He smiled at me. He looked at me. He could mm-hmm. recognize me. He knew he wanted me instead of my wife or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like I. I I can't have an emotional response to somebody yeah. I don't know, I suppose. Yeah, oxytocin is released when there's physical contact and dopamine too. But I and that's I would just say like that's I think it's a it was one of the biggest mind blowing things for me becoming a father for the first time almost three years ago. Uh and this is what I tell new fathers a lot is that it it feels so wrong to say that I didn't love my son initially, but I think that that's that's just the way we're built. It's just nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to say, well, I didn't love my kid initially. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, it's a failure of the English language. I didn't right. hate him. Just because I didn't love him doesn't mean it means I hate him. Right. But you did love him, and you would have done anything. And I still would have. If yeah. he was jeopardized, you would have done anything. I I don't stand for two hours for no reason, but I did for him yeah. right when he was born. So and you did love him. Yeah. But you didn't maybe have a warm fuzzy no, exactly. Right. I didn't have the love at first sight emotion secretion <laughs> that you would. Anyway, that, that that was the long explanation. So there's nothing you're nothing you're missing, right. listening audience. Yeah, we we're about to wrap up, and I derailed us. It happens. Brought us back. Well, this, this is this was a this is a good good episode four. Uh, what are Great. we talking about next week? Well, you alluded to it. I did. It's uh, it was it's meant to be. Whatever it is, it's uh, it's unavoidable. Yes, fate. Fate. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Is fate possible? Is it possible that fate is? Is there is there us. one perfect person for another perfect person? No. Oh. Are there two imperfect people meant for each other? Yeah. Who makes these decisions, Jesse? Who? Cupid. Fate. Is it possible? That's what we're talking about next week. If you haven't got the idea by now. Fate. We're talking about fate. Fate. <laughs> Nothing will dissuade us. No. No, the, the fates themselves could not dissuade us from discussing this next week. Oh my gosh, what a closer. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. Impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.